This is The Social Geek Radio Network. and welcome to the Social Geek Podcast. I'm Jack Munson, your host and marketing conciliary. Today, when is it time to blow shit up? Part two. All of our regular rock star panelists are joining in on this one. Liz Solar, Derek Abel, Kristen Pahacek, Ali Krauss, and Scott Greenberg. Last time we looked at brands, this time it's personal. episode is brought to you by Citroen Cooperman, Adplor, Northeast Color, and the panel is next after a quick note about Answer Connect. How can you unlock millions in annual revenue? Don't miss out on 30% of your phone calls. At Answer Connect, they've got the solution for franchisors, franchisees, suppliers, and brokers. If you can't answer your calls, Answer Connect can. Reclaim your revenue today. If you think this would help, call my good friend Karen Booz at 888-822-2034. That's 888-822-2034. This is kind of a special edition of the Social Geek Rock Stars because I have all of my favorite rock stars joining together for the very first time on the same show. So I will do a quick introduction with everyone. Allie Krauss from Benetrends. How are you, Allie? Hi, Jack. Pumped to be part of this. Thank you for being here. And uh, Krista Pahacek from Massage Lux. What's up, KP? Uh, Not much, Jack. What's up with you? I'm just getting ready for whatever's coming next at the end of this year and whatever's coming, you know, at the beginning of next year. So here we go. Let's uh, put your seatbelts on. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, Derek Abelman from Northeast Color. How are you, my brother? I'm well. I'm well, Jack. And joining me again on yet another podcast is Liz Solar of Solar Media. Hey, Liz. Hey, hey Jack. Always good to be here. I'm glad you could join us today. And I want to start this session of blowing shit up with my friend Scott Greenberg. Scott Greenberg is the author of a brand new book. Scott, what's the name of the book? It's called Stop the Shift Show, Turn Your Struggling Alley Workers into a Top-Performing Team. You've had a few different segments to your career, and you've blown things up on a personal level a few times, going from a couple of industries and into franchising, and now you're you're a world-renowned keynote speaker and author. Tell me about how, how you've gone about deciding when it's time to blow up what I'm doing and start into something new. What What's that process look like for you? Usually people will do something new either when there's just something that's so amazing they can't say no or what, when they're, what they're currently doing just isn't working anymore. And the idea of not changing is more painful. For me, it's always been just a massive leap of faith. It's been terrifying every time I've blown it up and did something new, even with the new book, it's suddenly I, I have a different focus on what I'm doing and therefore a different focus on my branding. And so it means a certain willingness to kind of let go of what I was doing or what my brand was, what I was talking about before. So there's definitely a certain amount of fear. It definitely feels like, at the very least, shaking things up so I can do this new thing. 
I used to think people blew up things in their lives and careers when they hit rock bottom and maybe it was a financial situation or they were, um, they were just financially done with what they were doing and they needed to start something new. But I'm seeing more and more people blowing things up when actually things aren't going too badly, right? Financially anyway, maybe, maybe there's a, there's something when things are going really poor financially, you're not as apt to blow things up. You're just trying to survive. You're not trying to reinvent yourself. Do you see that with, with yourself or with other people, Scott? For sure. I mean, you have to blow something up to make room for something new, right? We only have so much money, so many resources, so much time. And so the idea is saying, hey, this is great now, but because I have some room, I have a little bit of money, I have some breathing room, now's the time for me to take the bigger risks and to take those leaps of faith. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's really important. Look, when you're when you're desperate and nothing is working, then it's kind of easier to make that choice, right? But when yeah, things nothing are lose, working, yeah. right, to then blow that up, it's, it's a much bigger risk. But if we don't take risks, well, then we can't succeed at another level and do something new. Was there anything that you blew up in the past, whether it was, you know, a business you owned or something else you were involved in? That, that you look back and think, maybe I shouldn't have blown that up or has it all been, you know, pretty much it's all led to what I'm doing today? I had one business. It was my first real business. It was, I had dropped out of film school uh, and started a business with a friend of mine who'd also dropped out of film school from NYU. And we started a business as consultants for aspiring screenwriters and gave them feedback. If the scripts were good, we'd introduce them to talent agents and producers. And uh, it kind of ran its course Looking back, I realized that business had value, that we could have tinkered and done a lot more with it, or we probably could have sold it for right. the value it had at the time, but we got, we're insecure, we didn't think so, so we just closed it. And so that's something I wish we put a little bit more into, but most of my regrets are for the things um, that I didn't do as opposed to things that I did. Uh, but for the most part, I'd say all the times I've blown things up and moved on to something new, it was a good move. Awesome. Great to hear. Who else has something that you've blown up in, in, in the past or maybe recently KP what's up? Yeah. You know, I blow shit up when I'm bored. I operate <laughs> on the best at the edge of chaos. And if there's not something that's just a little bit chaotic in my life, I tend to, you know, buy a house, have another kid, switch jobs, start a business, <laughs> you name it in order to keep things going. And Often, Ryan, my husband, will make fun of me because of it. I'm just not content with being content. <laughs> yeah, Allie, I see you shaking your head. I don't see you getting bored a lot. You find something else to, to occupy that boredom time. Yeah, I look at it as enhancing and not changing necessarily, right? So if it's an opportunity to shake things up, blow things up, whatever you want to call it, it's an opportunity for growth and change and excitement. And I was laughing, Jack, when you were talking about the financial piece, when people used to blow shit up and how it's maybe changed. I remember when I was 19 years old and my boyfriend dumped me, I painted my college bedroom, hot fluorescent pink. And I don't even like the color pink. So there was just an opportunity to feel different. And for me at 19, it was the paint of my bedroom, which I later hated because it was an apartment I rented and had to put a lot of coats of white back on that. Yeah, but yeah. How much primer did that take before? And well, uh, getting this that's a good analogy to later in life, right? Is you, if you screw something up like that, that you maybe did impulsively, you might need a lot of coats of paint to cover up those issues. So I was laughing thinking about that today when I was thinking about this podcast. But I think overall, it's it's it always goes back to enhancing for me, whether it's finding 
that new job or like I was laughing at Kristen saying or have another kid. Not, that's not for me. <laughs> However, I think just in general, the enhancement of change and blowing things, things up because it brings excitement and it's an opportunity to thrive on that change, then that's how I grow as a professional or as a female or as a mother or as a dancer or whatever aspect of my life that's in. So whether it's painting your bedroom pink or starting fresh or buying something new that helps you advance to the, the next step of your life, then I thrive on that. Yeah, I um I, I don't know that I want to have another kid, but um I consider podcasts my children. So I'm constantly saying, you know, we should start another podcast. And uh, <laughs> we actually have a, another new podcast coming out within the next month or so with my friends at Brand J. And, um, you know, there's just not enough podcasts in the franchise industry. Let's have one more, right? <laughs> so just to be clear, I am not having another kid. Now my kids <laughs> are not a podcast with their cows. I'm like, let's buy a cow. Let's buy another cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the um the the uh the livestock trade at the Pahachek household is uh very interesting to watch on Instagram if if no one else is following check it out because we're all posting things with our puppies and kittens and you know maybe an occasional bird. Then you go to Kristen's and there's cows. There's a lot of cows. So, uh yeah, check it out on Instagram. Derek, what's up in your world of of blowing things up? You've you've reinvented, I wouldn't say everything, but a couple of things just in the in the past few years that I've known you. You've you've done some some definite shifts. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's um I would say that I usually when when I blow shit up, I I I kind of invite it. I, I almost ask for it. Like earlier this fall, um I was in a state where I was I was thinking I needed to change the, that my day had gotten stale that I had figured out all like I wanted to push harder I wanted to disrupt myself and I I found myself saying that out loud to like people at work and it came but not in the way that I thought it was going to come which is usually how the disruption comes like I invite change but then the change is a radically different form than I thought it would take which you know I think is is probably how it should be right like um, if I, I don't think you can really disrupt yourself in a, in a planned way. Sometimes like it has to be unexpected. Uh, there has to be some part where you can't control it. Cause that's the blowing of it up part, right? That's like the violent shift. Um, uh, we had a saying on the farm where I came from, uh, everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Right. And so like, you all want this like transformative experience. We all want to go and become this evolve into this next thing. And, but in order to do that, you have to let go of stuff. And you may not realize how much attachment you have to some of those states or how much you are protecting something. And so that blowing up, right, that like that release, that push outwards, it's uncontrollable at some point and it gets a little messy. And um, I tend to unconsciously invite that somewhat cavalierly. I think I can handle it. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's this is what it really means. Okay, okay. Yeah, we tend to like, stories of other people doing massive changes, right? And blowing their shit up and wow, look what that person's doing. But then when it comes our time, we put on the brakes and 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 want to slow down a little bit and say, wait a second, this is change is hard, right? We all love change, but no one wants to change until until you probably have to. 
Liz, I know coming from a broadcast background, you've uh, you've reinvented a time or two and, and moved from broadcast to voiceover actor and, and things like that. Um, any good stories from you on on when you decided to take a, a, a career or personal swivel? Yeah, and I'm going to have to go with what Derek said, that we ask for things and then they happen, but not in quite the way, which is, you know, be careful what you wish for, because you will certainly get it, just not the way you wanted it. Um, my last full-time job in radio, I kept saying, I'm bored. This is a dying, this is 20 years ago almost. You know, this is a dying industry. Um, what am I doing here? You know, the general manager came into the studio one day and said, you know, we could get a chimp to do that. And I just thought... What a jerk. And and I kind of kept hoping, I'm like, how can I get out of this? And one day I was brought into the, you know, program director's office and he tried to fire me unsuccessfully until I asked him if that's what he was doing. And he said, yes. And what's funny is two weeks later, they wanted to rehire me. And I thought, no, no, like that ship has failed. Like it, it didn't feel good getting fired. But also it was exactly what I needed because I wasn't going to be the one to make that change. I wasn't ready to do it. So it really goes to the point where we love these stories, the hero's journey, they climb the top of the mountain. And then it's like, yeah, I'm just going to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix because the top of the mountain seems really high up and I'm kind of tired. So, you know, we, we like the path of least resistance. It looks great. You know, I want to run the marathon, but I, you know, I'd like someone to drive me through it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how we go and we have to really want something. And going back to what Ali said about enhancing things, I tend to be an augmenter, always have been. So it's not enough to have one or two jobs. Let's have three or four, let's do another thing. Um, you know, so I decided to go back for my master's this year. So, but I feel like it's making everything better. So that's definitely, those... that's definitely blowing things up though. And, and maybe not blowing up a particular job, but it definitely blew up your schedule and your calendar, right? I'm, hey, I'm going to go get my master's now. Right. Well, it's not like I blew up and there's a hole. It's like there was a hole, you know, which was not filled. And I, I decided to just put a whole bunch of crap in it now that that didn't exist before. So um, I, I like to tend to get all the, you know, someone told me once, you know, your life is like going through the doorway and you have all your trunks and suitcases. And maybe sometimes you just want to walk through the door with one suitcase at a time. So, you know, we, you know, and I, looking around this room, people are pretty accomplished and they they want to do things. They're doers. So I'm not sure that anything ever gets blown up. Things might just get put into a room for a while or, you know, put a pause on it. But but definitely um, there is a letting go for at least a certain amount of time. Yeah. If we keep adding things to our lives, at some point, something may drop off of the list. And maybe that isn't really blowing it up. It's just letting something run its course. And that could be a, a business or a, a relationship or something like that. It's funny you say that because it reminds me of this uh, Sesame Street segment where um, Ernie is real keen to learn the saxophone. And so he goes to the jazz band and, and he begs them, please, I really want to learn the saxophone. But he's reluctant. He's unwilling to put his beloved rubber ducky down long enough to operate 
the instrument and they make this whole beautiful song called you got to put down the ducky it's quite catchy but you got to put down the ducky <laughs> if you want to play the saxophone you need those two free hands and so you know what liz was saying about letting things go and being able to pass through you know i try to ask myself you know in my more honest moments internally like what are the duckies i need to put down right now what's preventing me from changing and growing what am i clinging to in some way and and it's usually something that i've developed like a comfort attachment to um something that makes me feel safe or reinforces an idea about myself that needs to go away you know i mean i think we're all uh I can only speak for myself, actually, but in my mind, I'm still in my 20s, right? In my mind, that's still who I'm still that person. But I, if you see, I'm not certainly my body is telling me I am not in my 20s anymore. So how do I let go? That's a ducky that I'm holding on to is that I still think I'm this one person, but I have a kid and a mortgage job, you know, all of those things. And I'm not that other person anymore. And so maturing is is a constant process, I think. And, and it's it's very much more and more about letting go and when I picture like the perfect old person they have a simple life they carry very few things um, very few duckies with uh with yes. somebody who you want to be you know when you're 95 years old on the on the front porch right yeah you gotta put down the ducky put down the ducky put down the ducky if you want to play the saxophone discussion after a quick word from Adplore, our newest sponsor on Social Geek. Adplore is a local digital advertising software built specifically to help digital agencies, franchise brands, and multi-location businesses manage local advertising campaigns at scale. Adplore's technology enables users to scale advertising campaigns across thousands of SMBs, franchise locations, and enterprises all over the world. Agencies and internal marketing departments use Adplorer to automate the creation, management, and reporting of campaigns on Google, Bing, Facebook, Waze, LinkedIn, and Spotify. Check it out now at adplorer.com. Back in a moment after this word from Northeast Color. Northeast Color produces branded interior decor and custom signage solutions for the franchise industry with a special focus on value engineering. They work with franchisors to re-engineer their existing signage packages to lower costs on materials, shipping, and installation, all while maintaining the integrity of their client's brand. In short, Northeast Color literally makes things better. Learn more now at northeastcolor.com. Yeah, I was thinking too, is that, you know, when you blow shit up, you're still taking a little bit of that shit with you that gives you a little bit of a head start in the new thing. I, I just watched the documentary about Arnold Schwarzenegger, who, whether you like him or not, or, you know, you know, he's been wildly successful at three very different things. Mm -hmm. But there's something he took from each one of those things that gave him a little bit of an edge in the next thing. So he was willing to let go and try something totally new, but he brought something with him. And so uh, it's important to understand that, that just because you're starting off at something brand new, you're really not at the same starting point as you were the last thing that you were doing, because you do bring some relationships and some wisdom and some maturity 
that you didn't have the last time you started something new. You probably see more of that than the rest of us because you're talking to so many franchisees and small business owners every day. And I don't think there's a lot of small business owners who grew up thinking, you know what? I really want to own a Taco John's restaurant. That's, that's my plan. Like so many people don't plan on these things, but then they find, you know, they find this vein and they follow it and and it leads to success. So most of those people had corporate jobs or maybe they were in the military or maybe they were, you know, in some other environment. And, and at some point they, they did have to blow something up, but they brought that with them. And, and that's what makes them a, a, a pretty good operator. Now, Kristen, I know you work with a lot of franchisees as well. Do you see that too? Oh yeah, absolutely. I see that. I mean, I was, it's funny you asked that because I was just going to bring up like often when we're talking to prospective franchisees who then take the leap into franchise ownership, in many cases, they are blowing things up, rather that be the 401k that they've been <laughs> contributing to forever, right? Um, or their corporate job that they're about to leave to go into entrepreneurship, or perhaps diversifying their current entrepreneurship strategies. So I think we see this from our franchisees quite frequently. And then the other thing I was just going to take note of is you know, I noted I, I blow things up when I'm bored, but also I've been known to blow things up when I get feedback, um, right? And whether that be feedback as a manager or feedback as, um, you know, just someone in business, there's been many times where I've been like, okay, you know what, I actually do need to rethink the way that I go about this. Um, one instance that comes to mind is in a past role, I got feedback that I walked too too fast, in the hallway. Like I was, I was always on a mission to go somewhere or do something. And the message that it was sending was she's always on edge. She's always on, she's got the next thing on her mind. Don't dare stop her. She is like always in crisis mode when in reality it was, no, I'm just a fast walker. I just want to get to the next place really, really fast. Um, but getting that feedback, it of course blew up the way that I walked, but bigger than that, it blew up the way that I interacted with people and the way that I, um, you know, went about my meetings and my conversations with people in order to ensure that they didn't feel like I was always Mach 10 um, and had little time for soft talk, all of those things. And so I'm sure um, the other people on this podcast probably have similar situations where feedback has thrown them into a little bit of a blow up pattern. It's an interesting comment, Kristen, because you talk about blowing shit up and usually we talk about blowing our own shit up. You had someone else blowing your shit up by giving you that criticism. Oh my God. I totally did. Yes. Right. Yeah, good and, and and do they really know like how many times just because we thought we're helping someone, we've blown their shit up and maybe we made their lives worse because we were a little too confident in our expertise about how to live their life. A lot, I bet. Yeah, it's a good point. Anybody else have anything maybe not a job or a career or, or, or something like that, but just some trait or, or something that you typically used to do that someone came along and said, Hey, Hey man, you might want to cut down on the, um, whatever it is. Any, anybody got a good story there? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. And it's a family, a family trait of being late. And I don't just mean, you know, like the people who are like, if you're five minutes early, you're late. I mean, talking epically late an hour and a half two hours. So my first husband, a lovely man, um, we, we were going, we had sort of like our first meeting. And then I had my day with a friend and I was going to meet him for a date. And he, we're, we're going to meet at his apartment. 
And we were going to go out for a really great dinner and I'm all dressed up and I get there and I am supremely late. And he answers the door in a pair of shorts in like a polo shirt. I'm like, well, you're not dressed to go out. And he's like, yeah, you got to leave because there were 15 people waiting for us for dinner. And my face dropped. And I said, oh, my God, no, I'm so sorry. He says, no, there aren't. But what difference does it make? I've been waiting, whatever, 90 minutes. Totally. And I cared about this person. And it mattered. I mean, people used to joke about my being late. But he was being serious and saying, you're a jerk. (laughs) essentially (laughs) like you that was a very cruel thing and it doesn't matter whether there's 15 people or just me don't be late and it totally turned things around for me and it 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 blew up that habit and I'm, i'm really proud of that because the rest of my family they're still the worst now i need to point out that liz was the last person to log in today yeah i was just gonna say huh but but you were you were still you were still almost on time um, i was almost on time I, I can always count on ali kraus being the first person to join a meeting it's it's always a race between me or ali we're always in any group that we're in it, it's it's one of the two of us i i guarantee right you know i had two interviews today and both of the girls showed up at three minutes after wow you yeah. know i told i told my coordinator i'm gonna log off at five minutes and then at three they came on and then you almost have that like moment of dis- disappointment because you're like man this would have been easy to just get off and like let you have it in an email and i was having some kind of day today so i almost wanted that to happen but they were they were both lovely interviews um but i did want to add something to the conversation because i think one of the pieces in listening to everything that we're all sharing that we still haven't talked about is the courage to actually be the one to have the unpopular opinion. And it's something that I'm dealing with on a personal level right now. I have a a kid I take care of is is very ill. And at, at this moment, she's in the ER. And I've been supporting her for two years now. And for two years, I've heard therapists and friends and family tell me the way to handle her because she's in her early twenties and I'm in my mid thirties, but still I'm a parent figure to her. And so I had to learn how to be a mom, not just to my three-year-old the last two years, but also to this girl in her young twenties. And today I said, F it. And I threw everything in the window about her disorder that I knew. And I started over. And I started with unpopular opinions. Don't push her too hard. Just be nice all the time. Don't ask her about it. Don't keep the things to yourself. You don't need to call her family or just stay back so she's not mad if you ask. And today it got to the point, I think, where I threw it all out the window because I'm you get to an end sometimes. And while I'm afraid of her being frustrated with me or not having the same relationship with her in the end, the safety and well-being matters about someone you love, whether it's an actual illness or it's just a disagreement you're having, right? And so I think that having the courage to maybe just do what you feel is right for someone that you care about or a brand that you love goes a long way. Like it's the typical gut feeling. If you feel it, there's something there that you're you as a person, as a human know, I have to do this, even if 
everyone around me is saying the complete opposite. I'm going to grab this unpopular opinion by the reins and just freaking ride it out and see what happens because we're sometimes thrown to the end of the line when, when there's not a whole lot of other options. And I think we can, we can relay that to professional and personal. And sometimes you have to do it and having the courage to do it is tough, but if you blow it up, see what happens. So tell me about that courage and and where that came from. Was it, this isn't working and it hasn't been working. So what do we have to lose? Is that kind of the, the place you were in? Yeah, sure. I mean, when you hear therapists and doctors telling you one thing, like you don't push this person away or don't do this, it's it's not going to work for everyone. It's not going to work for every employee. It's not going to work for every franchisee. It's not going to work for every family member and friend and person you love. And I think you have to get to the point where you in your heart know this person or this brand or this franchisee enough that you can make a safe decision by having the courage to go out on a limb and try something different. So yeah, it's not working because She's in the ER today, right? So after battling and battling and battling with something that you can't control as an outsider, at some point, you just have to start from scratch and say, this is okay. I gave it my all and I failed at it. She failed at it. Someone failed at it. Together, we are failing at it. What do we need to do to shift the narrative and totally just change everything you've been told and thought and use your experiences to try something new and it's hard and it's scary. And I think once you get past the hump of fear or grief or whatever you're, you're going through in that emotion, there's gotta be, there's gotta be light on the other side. There's gotta be opportunity in trying something new. Why stay where you are? Ali, you brought up such a great point because sometimes there's like the rules about how we do things and we treat, you know, we talk about not treating people as monoliths, but But the decisions we make in life, we say, well, this is the way it's done and this is the way it gets a result and the way it gets a good result. And when that doesn't work, we we have to think about the wisdom that we bring to the situation in our own instinct. And instinct is often overridden by logic. And sometimes logic just doesn't work. The, The rules don't apply. I love everything that you said. And, you know, you know, the cost benefits of that, you know, what happens to this person if you really show up and say, hey, this is how I genuinely feel about you. And I'm going to ask you the, this question, whether you like it or not, and you're free not to answer that question. So it's it's still respecting a person and giving them, you know, their own agency or allowing them their own agency. Well, you do what feels right for you when you've exhausted every other avenue. Yeah. And I love what you said about instinct, because what I'm learning personally is that by trusting my gut or listening to instinct or just my own human emotions, isn't it funny how in turn that almost makes you the expert on the subject matter? Because then what I got in this experience and even some professional ones is people are calling me now. How did you handle that? I'm dealing with this now. And all of a sudden the scripts have turned where for years I've been asking for help and support. And when you do your own thing, it actually molds you into the person that people want support from. And people want to understand how and why you went about it that way. And somehow you get turned in to the expert, whether you like it or not. But um, it takes that courage and that instinct and that change to, to build on the situation and yourself. And, and that's how, that's how you grow. And that's why, that's why the enhance rather than change for me is 
what it does to you as a person is it enhances your experience and your knowledge. And then you can in return, give that to others in the same position. Plus you have a, it, an outcome that you may not have had a positive outcome. And this has happened twice in my life with attorneys where people said, don't go directly to that person and speak to them and try to negotiate with them. You really need me or another person. And I'm not negating experts. I think they're really important. I don't do my own taxes for that reason. Someone knows a little bit more about that. But each time I went directly to a person and spoke to them human to human, it was a great result. So I, I think sometimes it's just trusting ourselves and trusting the other person on the other side. And I think what you're afraid of too, and you, Ali, you, you, you talked about finding the courage. I think the real courage is not being afraid of someone not liking us or someone being unhappy with us. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this change with your friend and I'm going to blow it up because it's not working. But most people wouldn't do that because like, yeah, but I don't want her to be mad at me. Right. Mm -hmm. We're so afraid of having people not like us that we just will keep doing the same thing. And the reality is she might be mad at you anyway over something else or or someone might not like you for one thing or another regardless. So do what you think is right. And if I say this all the time, if you if you get some people who are unhappy with you and maybe you get a get a few enemies out there once in a while, you're probably doing something right. You're probably living your life the right way if there are people who are unhappy about it. You can't please them all. Jack, I, I think that's really important. And, you know, Ali's comment kind of shifted the tone of the conversation, which is great. But when someone like Ali goes against conventional wisdom, then it forces everyone who hears about that to reflect on themselves because you basically destabilized their view of what is normal, what's okay, how things are supposed to be. And when that becomes, you know, when that's destabilized, well, then what is true? What is okay? What is the right thing? So it's almost like you're shaking up other people's view of the world and their lives when you go ahead and blow blow up that thing that they are normally aligned with. I'm just wondering if anybody out there has had the experience of actually seeing one of their actions blow up someone else's life. Sometimes we do what's good for us. And if it's someone who's very close to us, it could be really corrosive to them. Has anybody had that experience? Well, I mean, without being specific, this is as a parent, right? Like I make decisions all the time that blow up my kid's experience, sometimes for, you know, positive, sometimes for not. And it's um, not always easy to forecast how that's going to play out, right? Um, and I think what's important for me to remember is that my actions that, that I take, and again, not negative necessarily, just like we're going to, we're, we're actually going to go over here instead of there, we're going to eat here for dinner, whatever it is, right? that children are are like primal beings, right? Like they live in like full primary colors and like their experiences are really intense and everything, right? There's, it's a different landscape. And so what I, what I need to remember is that, that she's an eight-year-old girl and like her experience of life is, is radically different than mine. And I have a tremendous amount of um, effect on her experience. And that what might seem like just a rational thing for me is radically not for her. And it's very, I think, humbling uh, in the way of like remembering that, that you owe some form of 
consideration beyond just the rational to another person, right? Beyond just like, well, but this makes sense. It's what is your experience? How am I affecting your experience? And I think that it's a constant, um, a constant reminder of that for me, having a kid. Having Start a kid. Start the therapy and, fund. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> having a kid, also having uh, colleagues and, and a team that depends on you because, you know, if you make a change in the direction for your team, we're not going to produce these widgets anymore. We're going to focus on these other kinds of widgets. Well, the people who are producing the first kind of widgets, that's going to radically change what they do every day. And, and, and maybe, maybe their career goes in a, a, in a new direction and you just blew up their shit. You moved their cheese as we used to say 10 years ago. Um, so, so I think, you know, the, the, the parent, the leader, the manager, you know, all of those decisions you make affect somebody else in your family or team way more than, than you think it ever will. And, um, and, you know, hopefully in a, in a good way for all of them. Well, I think another good example of kind of blowing shit up is that, um, you know, midlife crisis type moment where maybe you go out and buy a Harley <laughs> or I don't know, change the color of your hair. And it looks different for everybody, but isn't that what that's all about is saying like, Hey, you know, it's time for me to do something a little different, change my identity a little bit more. Therefore I'm going to do X or buy Y in order to throw the cards up in the air a little bit and keep people guessing. Um, and just provide some excitement in, in life. Like you can get stuck in routines so easily. And it's like, you need a little bit of splash in order to get out of those routines. And, um, you know, I, what, what is the proper age for a midlife crisis now? Just out of curiosity, like, <laughs> I don't know, but when I, when I get to middle age, I'll let you know. Um, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm planning on living to 120, so I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, we all have well, plenty I, of years to plan for a midlife crisis. I'm an early bloomer. I had mine at 29. <laughs> in, in in all seriousness, I don't know. Late for some Would things, you... early for other things. What I've pretty what, much been in crisis you... this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you live on chaos, right? That, yeah, it feels that way sometimes. That's okay. It's there's a lot of us that thrive on chaos. I, I I have to go back to Liz though. Tell us about your midlife crisis at the tender age of 29. Um, you know, I I just think that I was a person who had a ton of responsibility all my life and was kind of tired of it. Was in a marriage where I was doing a lot of caretaking and trying to figure out what, you know, what that next direction would look like. I was a mom and. Um, you know, I think just, and, and none of my peers were, you know, and you were in the same business. I mean, nobody's married, nobody has kids. So I was, I was the lone ranger out there. So it, it really made me examine a lot of things um, because people did not share the same values. I mean, they, they weren't there yet. Any other midlife crises uh, on the horizon for anyone? I'm going to not invite one. I think like I I seem to be on a quarterly schedule with those. So I think I'm just going to keep mom universe. I beseech you. Uh, let me sleep in peace for another six months, if I may. Finding peace can well, be a good midlife crisis though, right? Like, like not having the chaotic blowing shit up midlife crisis, but like just moving into a new direction where it's like, you know what? I just, I don't need drama now. How about that? That's that's probably a, a very healthy 
change that you could make in the middle of your life. I think we should all commit to that. Yeah, no kidding. I wish I would have committed to that when I was 29. Any other thoughts on blowing shit up or or making some making some changes for uh for the new year? We've got we've got a new year coming up in about 6 weeks and uh if you're going to blow anything up, it's a good time, Derek. Well, I mean, I was thinking about I mean, I've loved so many of the talking points that, that people have brought today. Um but I was thinking about what Scott was saying about how you always carry something forward, it's not a complete you know, final explosion, nothing is really gone. And I was recently reading about the death of stars and what I learned some interesting stuff, um, primarily that regardless, however, a star may perish, whether they supernova, burn out their fuel or collapse into their own gravity, that star's radioactive remains just tend to eventually coalesce into a new star. Um, and that means that all of the stars in the sky are essentially recycled from the remnants of other older stars, including our own. And that this process is, is natural and eternal and, and it's kind of beautiful, I think, if, you know, if, if I'm being honest about it. And we're a part of that same process, I would argue. You know, blowing things up always generates new things to blow up, right? Like no matter what it is. And so I guess moving into the new year, I'm looking for ways to sort of embrace and learn from that persistent detonation. Before we go, a quick word from Citroen Cooperman. Citroen Cooperman is proud to be the home of one of the leading franchising practices in the country. With over 40 years of franchise experience, Citroen Cooperman provides a full range of services to a vast number of franchise concepts. They work with the owners, operators, controllers, and CFOs of a wide range of franchisors and multi-unit franchisees to help them establish their brands and grow their businesses to the next level. The Citroen Cooperman Franchise Practice is comprised of experienced CFE-accredited professionals, providing franchisors and multi-unit franchisees the guidance and insight they need to minimize uncertainty, meet compliance and contractual obligations, and stay focused on building their businesses. For more information, please contact Aaron Chaitovsky and Michael Iannuzzi at CitroenCooperman.com. And thanks for listening to Social Geek. Your comeback of a lifetime starts now. This is the Social Geek Radio Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.